This is Bob Whitaker. Welcome to History Respond. Today's episode covers This War of Mine, developed and published by 11-Bit Studios. This War of Mine finds the player controlling a group of civilians struggling to survive a military siege in a large urban center. Players must provide their civilian group with shelter, food, water, and some modicum of everyday essentials, such as music or books. The player also controls characters during nighttime scavenger raids, deciding for the characters whether they will attempt to take essential goods peacefully, by ruse, or by force. Unlike most games set during war, the player must navigate problems like hunger, heating, and psychological distress, all while avoiding combat. 11-Bit Studios stated that their development of this game was heavily inspired by the history of the Siege of Sarajevo during the Bosnian War. In order to provide a bit of context and background on that inspiration, I've invited Professor Ivana Mechik onto the show. Dr. Mechik is a senior lecturer of social anthropology at Stockholm University and has written widely on the topic of war and mass political violence. Her first book, Sarajevo Under Siege, studied the experiences of ordinary people during the siege and was partly based on Dr. Machik's own experience as a journalist during the Bosnian War. Uh, so Ivana, thank you for joining us on the show. Thank you. This game is heavily inspired by the Siege of Sarajevo from the Bosnian War. Could you give our audience a brief background on the siege? Uh, the siege of Sarajevo uh, started in 1992, in in late spring, in well, some count in April, some count in May, um, and it lasted for four years until uh, spring 1996, when it was lifted, after the Dayton peace accords were signed in November 95. So it was a four-year siege. Well, then we have this situation with former Yugoslavia, which was a country after the Second World War, which fell apart and started falling apart in 1991. Um, and, uh, well, it was a country consisting of several republics. Uh, most of them had a majority national group. Uh, so it was fairly easy to fall apart into these republics, except for Bosnia and Herzegovina, which had uh, officially three major peoples, nationalities, or even four, if you count Yugoslavs as a fourth nation, which did exist officially and mm -hmm. practice. Uh, so you had four nationalities, four peoples that uh, should uh, yeah, somehow be present in this country and share it, which was uh, what they most of them wanted. But... Uh, for there, there were political reasons in both Croatia and uh, Serbia that wanted parts of Bosnia or whole Bosnia for themselves. So mm -hmm. the the warring parties were Serbian forces, Croatian forces, and uh, then in Bosnia also the, the, one of the peoples were Bosnian Muslims in the national sense, not in a religious sense, as mm -hmm. it former Yugoslavia. So. The national Muslims also then, well, built their own army, which was the government army, the majority government's army in Bosnia and Herzegovina. So there were actually three national groups struggling, but also there were differences between Croat Croats and Bosnian Croats and 
Bosnian Serbs and Serbian Serbs. So that and yeah, it was a bit complicated. <laughs> <laughs> I get that sense. Um, so the player in this war of mine is tasked with managing the lives of a group of survivors uh, through a siege, and much of the gameplay is focused on finding the essentials for survival, including food, water, and shelter. And based on what you've seen of the game, how well do you think this war of mine depicts life during a siege? Well, I think the key word is depicts because, uh, in in a way, it's it picks up on, on the, some elements that were essential during the siege, like getting water, getting food, and well, having a shelter. But most of people had shelter; they lived in their homes or they moved with their relatives whose homes were still um, okay, livable apartments mm-hmm. and houses. Also, fuels were important, but that's also there in the game. So, yes, in a way, these were essentials. But uh, uh, watching the game, it uh, did not feel, of course, at all as it did feel during the siege. So it is a game in the first place. I need, mm-hmm. need to say that because, yeah, there, there, there is a big difference, of course, gathering water and, and doing it in the game. Uh, there's some uh, sequences in the game later on uh, that you might not have seen where mm-hmm. uh, you actually collect uh, rainwater uh, using um, um, uh, devices that you construct and also you can melt snow uh, in order to get water. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then finally, there's sequences near the end, near the end of the siege in which you have to uh, capture small animals uh, in order to eat uh, and uh Things get uh, pretty tense, at least for the player. Early on, it seems as though they've they've got most of their essentials, but then uh, near the end of the siege, uh, they become pretty desperate, uh, and the game really forces you to try to either uh, make do with what you have or to go out and perhaps steal uh, mm-hmm. from someone else. I mean, is that is that type of progress common for life under a siege? No, I, I would say almost uh, vice versa, or rather a different process. Uh, uh, in At the beginning, most people had necessities, of course, uh, which they could spend from their household or buying at the start. But then the first winter was really harsh when the supplies went short basically and not much of humanitarian help was coming in yet Uh, but then after a year or so the situation people sort of got used to it and and there was a bit more help coming more organized help coming from outside Um, so and and the fighting was also more stabilized in a way Um, Mm. So actually the situation got better in that way that people knew how to survive and they didn't rob each other and they didn't go hunting small animals. <laughs> that was not mm. the, well if they did it was not at all the major way of doing right. it. Right. Right. So another problem the player has to deal with uh in this game is the psychological state of mm. the survivors. Uh and the players can provide survivors with the essentials like food and water, but they still have trouble managing survivors uh, if they're mentally distressed. So how did survivors during the siege of Sarajevo cope with their situation beyond managing essential needs? 
Yes, well, um, actually, for better or for worse, most of people did adapt very well, including myself when I traveled in. Um, that that's, uh, seems to be a quality that humans have to be able to adapt to anything, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, yeah, yeah some, some people think that it's a bad thing uh, because we can adapt to such horrors also and accept them in a way. But, uh, um, of course, not everybody did. There were people who were very, uh, very scared and uh, hid in cellars more than others. So they had a special name, like cellar people, <laughs> they were called. Um, and there were all stories, of course, uh, about uh, somebody who hid for two years in a cellar and then one day when he or she thought that it was a bit quiet, uh, they went out and got hit by a grenade, which oh. randomly came. Which was uh, the point of the story was that you really didn't know when something can hit you. Uh, of course, you could be more or less careful, but not really totally. So there was no point in hiding in cellars. Mm. Um, and then there were people I saw, and I saw a man who was standing always in one of most dangerous crossings at the corner, and just he he was sort of gone crazy, basically. Um, so he, he sort of didn't feel anything and wasn't scared of anything, but uh, most of the people just functioned, you know, as if it was normal to have the constant threat of death over over you. Mm. That's incredible. Um, yeah. One of the things that uh, struck me about this game is that they, the player, they have to avoid soldiers as much as possible. Uh, they have to avoid looters. Um, but there's not really much concern about explosive devices or artillery. Uh, you hear it in the background in the game, but uh, it seems, at least based on what I've read about the Siege of Sarajevo, artillery and uh, you know explosive devices going off was pretty common. What, what do you think about that? The lack of that kind of um, the lack of those explosive devices in this game. Well, uh, after some time, the 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 shooting got more ordered in a way. The, there were some generals on, on the attacking side, on the Serbian side, that was besieging the, the town, uh, who could shell the town in the morning for an hour or two, and then the rest of the day was quiet. So there were several people told me, oh, we loved when that one was a general, because then you knew that in the morning there was shelling, and then you could move freely. But of course, there were some skirmishes, and there, there were snipers were working all the time, or randomly rather. Uh, but I think this is visible in the play. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are even warnings, uh, graffito for snipers, and this is exactly as it was. Um, but it seems as though the, I mean, from what you're telling me, that the citizens kind of came to know or be able to expect. Mm-hmm. where the soldiers would be, where the action would be, mm-hmm. so they could avoid it and almost make it a part of their daily lives. Right, exactly. exactly. As though, as, almost as though you were trying to avoid a bad sunburn or something like that. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, with that paradox that uh, you could, and this was very common, and it happened to me and the people I moved around with, I witnessed this many times, you'd move around as if, you know, knowing there is a sunburn (laughs) there, but you know how to move, and then suddenly you don't, because suddenly anything can happen, so people would just suddenly try to find a shelter with no real reason for it, except that basically yes you would need shelter whenever mm-hmm. you need shelter whenever but uh, yeah so there was this doubleness all the time that you behaved as if normal because that was the only way to go about your everyday but at the same time somewhere you knew that this is yeah this is dangerous right wow uh, so the two keys for survival uh, in this war of mine are scavenging and bartering. Uh, mm. Players must risk their characters' lives to venture into war-torn areas at night uh, in order to find or steal goods they need to survive. Uh, but very often, however, uh, scavenging alone is not enough, uh, and the players must barter with other survivors for essential goods. How much were scavenging and bartering a part of the siege of Sarajevo? And were there any other sources of essential goods available to survivors during the Bosnian War? Mm, yeah, there were many other sources. And I would say that scavenging was not so common, except with the military troops that would take over a certain new position somewhere. But this, this didn't happen inside it was so much, rather in, in Bosnia generally, and in the whole former Yugoslavia and this war or wars. But uh, so scavenging of uh, civilians in the town, I would say no, not more than perhaps somewhere in the front lines, those where where apartment houses were destroyed and people have have fled and left the town. Then you would go into their apartments and take things. But army did this mostly. Mm. Uh, but this would be a one-time. Uh, Thing. It was not a constant way of surviving. Most uh, important thing was to have a job during the war. And all the pre-war civilian jobs disappeared. So the best jobs that, or most of them anyway, the best jobs that appeared was for the foreign organizations, starting with the United Nations and then all international uh, humanitarian aid organizations, INGOs and so on. Um, so the the common pattern was that young people in the family who knew English, who knew computers and who could drive uh, would get a job as translators or as drivers mm. or just assistants for foreign organizations and foreign workers. And they would get then the income in hard currency, which was uh, sufficient to sustain themselves and the family too. So the... The jobs that they were getting through the UN, they would pay them in hard currency rather than in supplies. So there's really not a moment where there's a lack of uh, a money economy, essentially. Yes, partly. But yes, there is a lack of money economy and hard currency was a German mark at that time. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the the local currency was really very devaluated. And they they had some sort of coupon that was really not worth much. And you couldn't buy anything except bread for it, I think. Mm. Um, So, yes, 
there, there was some currency, but there was also this uh, trading in uh, or, or uh, getting supplies, so to say, humanitarian aid. And that was another important, very insufficient, and people were very uh, humiliated by its insufficiency. Uh, but still, there was humanitarian aid in the town in the first wave from, from the United Nations and also uh, several religiously based uh, big humanitarian organizations like uh, um, Catholic Caritas, uh, uh, Muslim Merhamet, uh, Jewish Benevolencia, Red Cross and Red Half Moon and uh, Orthodox Dobrotvor. So mm. they, they were important. So, but it seems like from what you're saying that really the only people participating in scavenging and looting were soldiers, and that only occurred occasionally. Yes, it would be mostly soldiers, and as I said, once, once time, how do you say that? Um, just sometimes it would occur that even neighbors would steal from or scavenge the the left and destroy mm -hmm. apartments and houses of their former neighbors. Mm -hmm. But not not on a nightly basis, like is no. seen in this in this game. No. Um, no. Uh, and you know, as far as I mean, were there any kind of commodities that were at a premium uh, during the siege of C Sarajevo? I mean, for instance, in this war of mine, you can get the most money uh, from bartering if you have cigarettes or if you have alcohol. Mm. Uh, was there any kind of key key substance, key commodity that was worth more than others during the siege? Well, alcohol and cigarettes were, and cigarettes were not, well, it all depended on how harsh the siege was. If mm -hmm. the, all the routes were blocked, of course, everything became very expensive, even cigarettes. But cigarettes were quite common and very uh, looked after, so to say, demanded, in, in high demand. Mm -hmm. um, and alcohol was quite worth, yes, I heard that, although I haven't. I have no experience myself because, uh, well, I lived with people who didn't have that sort of money or, or access to so much alcohol. And uh, I, others didn't talk about it. I mean, you know, Muslims shouldn't drink alcohol. So, of course. Um, it, it was a problem, I think, during the war in a way. I, I never uh, wanted to, I mean, um, I'm, I don't drink much alcohol myself, but sometimes I take a beer or a glass of wine, but I decided not to do that because I want to be alert while I was there. Right, absolutely. So I think many people also reason like that, too. Mm. So this game doesn't provide much political background uh, for mm -hmm. the siege that's depicted uh, within the gameplay. Uh, and the game's characters do not mention uh, political or ethnic divisions uh, in their biographic entries. Yet it seems like this process of living through a siege uh, would lead to strong political feelings and beliefs. Does the Bosnian War offer any insight into this issue? Actually, the fact that there is no politics in this survival struggle of the main characters and that they are all civilians mm -hmm. is fairly accurate in a way because uh, the survival was in the center for everybody and most of the people actually didn't have strong political views 
and uh, their political and national or re religious identity b became forced forward through the war and violence. But in their survival, they just used them in order to survive, most of them. Most of them were quite pragmatic and opportunistic. Uh, you know, if, if you had some Catholic ancestor, you would go to Catholic church and say, look, my grandmother was a Catholic. Here's she, she was baptized in this church. Here is the certificate. I'm also, I also want to be a Catholic because then you got a good humanitarian aid from Caritas. Right. Wow. So it's a this kind of pragmatic religion. Very pragmatic. Um, I'm not saying that's the only component, but it was very sure. vivid during the war. And uh, and in that respect, I'd say that probably mo most of the Sarajevans who fled the war and didn't come back afterwards would agree that it was not... You don't need political and uh, religious or national input into this game. <laughs> Because of the most, I mean, everybody had to survive somehow, uh, and it didn't matter. As your, you didn't, your political opinions were not that strong that they would matter. And do you find that this is true for people who lived during the siege of Sarajevo in particular, or just in in general living through the Bosnian War? Well, I think everybody got more nationally sensitive, so to say, including me. Uh, not that I started hating or liking anybody more than I did before, but uh, more like uh, before you could meet people and, you know, just uh, talk about what you're doing and what are your interests and like them and don't like them. During the war, it became common that as soon as you meet somebody, you try to, to understand somehow uh, which nationality they belong to. And it's mm -hmm. quite easy. It's possible to do it in the first few sentences. When you hear the name and when you hear some statements they make about politics, you know where they belong politically and nationally. And then you decide whether these are people you can talk to or somebody you really don't have much to share with. And were those sorts of political divides, I mean, were they an issue... I mean, obviously, they were an issue coming out of the, the siege. But during the siege itself, I mean, were, were those kind of tensions evident? Or was it, is, was it only after the siege that those became, those kind of divisions became clear? No, no, it became clear already during the siege early on because um, the violence was can, sort of channelized through the national identity, through your identity. So you'd be recruited into the army or military group to which you were supposed to belong somehow. And as many people inside I was said, uh, they were shot at by the Serbs because they were Muslims, as they felt the majority. Of course, there were Muslim Serbs, Croats, Yugoslavs, everybody was inside I But the majority that stayed were actually Muslims, and that is why the Serbian troops shot at them. So the the most common phrase, phrase or statement that people said were, I didn't know that I was a Muslim before the war, but because somebody is shooting me, I know now that I am a Muslim. Mm. Mm. So it's maybe not so surprising that there's a video game that uh, tries to deal with uh, the history of uh, sieges, of the siege of Sarajevo in particular, but... Well, you know, one of the things that's interesting to me is that the uh, a lot of international attention regarding sieges 
usually ends as soon as the siege is lifted. Uh, you know, I think we've seen a similar thing happen recently with the, the siege of Aleppo. Mm. Um, and I think one of the most disappointing things for me about this game is that it doesn't really deal with uh, what happens after uh, this type of event. Uh, you know, what happens to the characters uh, that you've played with uh, uh, throughout this struggle. I'm just wondering if you could kind of, kind of give us a sense as to, you know, your, uh, you know, kind of your perspective on, you know, how international attention, how the attention of um, uh, the international community shifts very quickly uh, after a siege is lifted. And yet there, there might be some conflict, some simmering conflict left over. Yes. Well, the, the media attention shifts to the, I don't know, they follow the more exciting, so to say, uh, sites. But uh, and the problems remain. The, 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 yeah, the, the, the country and the town were destroyed. The infrastructure was quite destroyed. The industry, economy, uh, they, they were still dependent on the international presence and law quite long time. And it's a still non-functioning country, actually, because they have this uh, uh, divided parliament between the Serbian Republic and the Bosnian Croat Federation, Bosniak Croat Federation, and uh, they put veto on each other's decisions all the time. So, mm-hmm. and it it is a sort of situation, as you said, that was not solved with the ceasefire and with the peace agreement, and it continues. And uh, yeah, I think it's hard to report on that. <laughs> it's certainly difficult to make a game about yeah. it. Um, mm. uh, and, you know, I think uh, this game was well-received. Uh, this war of mine was well-received by the gaming community. Mm. Um Primarily because it's one of the few games that situates you as a civilian uh, rather than a soldier. Uh, but even then, it seems to to struggle with some of these more uh, nuanced issues regarding politics, uh, regarding the aftermath of a siege. Uh, so maybe we can hope for better uh, in the future. Yeah, if it's possible, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I guess that does it. Thank you so much uh, for joining me on this episode of Anna. Thank you, too. If you enjoyed this episode of History Respond, please consider supporting our Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash History Respond. 